Welcome back to the Oklahoma Today podcast, bringing you all the best our state has to offer. This week, we are talking to acclaimed artist G. Patrick Riley about Colony, Oklahoma, the arts community featured in our latest issue. But first, let's get to our question of the week. We asked you, um, somewhat confusingly, without naming the place you grew up, tell <laughs> us your favorite fault. Oklahoma small town. Well, here's the thing. I wrote this I was, question. I was I wrote confused it so by the answers. It, it, oh my I, gosh. I'm here's, sorry. Here's what I'll say. I think that I, I, I think, love it. I think it was just too clever a, a, no. a setup. No, that's 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 a really I, nice. I think what we should have said was was like I, I other than yeah. other than your yeah. hometown. That's what we should. Well, have that's said. what I was but trying to say. But well, I, I should I should. I, that's it. how I read it. People took yeah. it too literally. Well, you know what? We actually, we actually had a lot of folks who who answered this okay. otherwise. It's basically not just, what I was trying to say <laughs> is like, what's a small town you like that isn't the one you grew up in? Because I like. Like I, I, like, I love our questions, but a lot of times people just answer with the thing that's them. Yeah. Right? Like, the best small town in Oklahoma is the one I grew up in, because I grew up there. Like, I want to know, or like, what who places... makes the best brownies? It's me. And right. I'm like, Like, my mother. Like, house? yeah, but, like, we want to know where to go. Yeah. Like, we want to know where you like to go and where you like to travel. So that was the that was the nature of the question, and I did a bad job but writing But no, no, no. It, so. we, we, got, we got lots of good oh, answers. Oh, we did? Okay, good. So, so good. let's... Uh, I liked the mysterious ones. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was kind of fun. They were... I mean, they were all good answers. I just... I, I, I saw... The question was hard understand one person said like pioneer woman town or something and i was like i know or was it or is it ponca city because that's where the pioneer woman statue oh, is yeah, oh see mind's is. blown everybody we need town oh, names there are folks. two pioneer women's in town future. <laughs> i don't know sounds like it, people liked it yeah <laughs> maybe that's what they changed the name of it to. well uh nathan gunner editor-in-chief what what's your answer for a small town that you didn't grow up in um, I'm going to go with, I have a feeling, well, my number one, I have a feeling someone else is going to say, so I'm going to save it. I really, really like Elk City. Hmm. Elk City is an adorable town with a great downtown, lots to do, and several good places to eat. So, um, yeah, I like I like, I like Elk City because every, t- like, every time I go to there, like a lot of small town downtowns are pretty... Um, they're, they don't have a lot going on. Every time you go to Elk City, like, try to find a parking place in, like, the middle of a day on a weekday in downtown Elk City. You can't do it. That's great. Because people are out walking around, shopping at places, patronizing <laughs> local businesses. Anyway, I just think it's a great town. I think it's a cool place, and I grew up in Weatherford, so it's very big of me to say this. <laughs> Car- Carly Barr, managing editor, what's your uh, what's your favorite Oklahoma small town that you didn't grow up in? <laughs> I would have to say Tahlequah. It's just it's such a, a charming one. town, and the drive up there, I guess, depending on how you go it's really nice like uh i can't remember how i drive up there some highway <laughs> but okay anyway, so you do take roads yeah i do okay, take roads okay. there uh but it's beautiful and then the the cherokee nation has a cultural center right there in town and it's really beautiful and it's just a really it's a really really great place to spend a weekend and i don't feel like it's ever like overrun by tourists like a lot mm. of charming small towns are so mm. and, and it's it, in eastern oklahoma which is beautiful it is there's a lot to do there there's a lot to do lenny bros Restaurant, yeah. yeah. There's a ton of great eating there. There's yeah. the ranch yep. and um, other places are oh, yeah. escaping my yep. brain right now. Salmonellas, salmonellas. Uh, uh, Megan Rossman, you didn't even grow up in Oklahoma. What's your favorite small Oklahoma town? I like the city of Sulphur. Mm, um, good choice. I enjoy all of the trees there and the forests that the trees make up. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's another, another I wasn't great sure where going Wait, So that. you enjoy the forest for the trees? Yes. What about I, the leaves and the bark? Yeah, they're nice too in the water. And I also like it's in close proximity to um, Smoke and Joe's barbecue restaurant, that which I thoroughly enjoy. And then there's also the Artesian, which has uh, they do great massages there, and there's some fun shopping, and it just kind of you know I like and it's not very far from the city so I can it's like maybe an hour and a half from Oklahoma City and so you can escape into nature the Chickasaw National Recreation Area is there that's what I'm talking about when I say the forest yep oh okay yes and there's a lot of, I mean, there's several good places to eat, and it's a cool town. It's yeah. The Chickasaw uh, Cultural Heritage Center is there. And known for its uh, its springs. Yeah. Very cool oh, yes. town. It's Sulphur um, The medicinal springs. We have a great story that Greg wrote about a place in Sulphur coming up in our next issue. Ah, Echo Canyon. That's right. Oh, resort yeah. Spa mm-hmm. and the Baron of Beef Restaurant. Yes. Which is the best, possibly the best restaurant name in Oklahoma. <laughs> It's a, it's a good restaurant too. It is also that yes yeah. I mean I would go there for I try I was like you why don't you sell t-shirts because I wanted to buy t-shirts for all of you. I was like that was the thing. Oh That's I right. would Did love a Baron all? of Beef Mar- t-shirt. Megan could be am, the Baron of Beef. I am well aware that everyone would have gladly donned them. Uh, they would have, but unfortunately they they're not doing that. It's okay yet. We'll I'll have to start emailing him. Yes. <laughs> And Lucian, what's your favorite small town in Oklahoma? I'm going to have to say Krebs, Oklahoma, Ooh, because good choice. an entire town of spaghetti and meatballs, garlic <laughs> bread, lasagna. I mean, what what else do you possibly need uh, in life? It's a really good question. Cannoli filling from Lavera's. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just yes. eat it by the spoonful like ice cream. Mm-hmm. Everything else from Lavera's? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Seriously, that cheese. Oh, yeah, those pickled that green beans. cheese yeah. that won the International Award or whatever. Oh, yeah. So they have a bit. smoked variety. Mm. Pickled asparagus there. Yeah. So. yeah. Pickled whatever, I'm down. Mm. You can eat all day. Pickled maraschino you cherries. Eat, you can eat Italian all day and never at the same restaurant. It's mm. true. Yeah, it's true. Awesome. Although, uh, kind of my favorite place there closed down, which I was sad about, Isle of Capri, but Rosanna's is there. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Pete's Place. And, Pete's and, place. and mm-hmm. yeah, and It's really, it's a cool, it's a good choice, Ben. I didn't even think about that one. That's a good one. What about you, Greg? Well, I, I started off with a town that I thought was small, but then as I was writing about it, I was like, Guthrie's not really small. I feel like this is... I think uh, Guthrie counts. Yeah. It's well, a cool town. I, it is. It is. And there's a lot to love about Guthrie. And uh, if anybody ever wants to go, I will gladly take whoever to the Frontier Drugstore Museum, my all-time favorite place in Guthrie. I love that. I love that it's, place. Uh, there's nothing I'm literally like, drinking coffee from Hoboken right now as we're recording this. I know. I, I will say, so I chose someplace a little bit smaller. I've, I've, I'm surprised nobody on our staff said Bartlesville. I didn't say Bartlesville. I, I, I totally thought Megan was going to say Bartlesville. I didn't either because I, I thought one of you would say it. I so thought I about Bartlesville, but I was like, that's more of, that's kind of a suburb, isn't it's, it? Well, like, no, it's still no, a small 45 no. minutes. It's, oh, I probably a just country. made a lot of people in Bartlesville angry <laughs> by calling it a suburb. But you go through a lot of country between Tulsa and Bartlesville. It's a long drive. That's well, true. I, I did. It I is did very charming. I did come up with one that I was pretty proud of. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you head to the intersection of East 1280 uh, Road and County Street 2550 in Caddo County, you will find a town so small that it doesn't exist. What? The unincorporated community of Nowhere, Oklahoma. Ah. Just southeast of the Fort Cobb Reservoir. And according to an interview with a resident of Nowhere in 2000, the population is three. And the entire town is made up of a gas station, a bait house, and a water tower. Where is the middle of nowhere. Honestly, the truth is there's 
ta- there's bigger towns than that that don't have any of that. That's stuff. true. So that's true. Okay. Uh, according to Jerry Howell, who <laughs> not Jerry Hallowell. No. no. Okay. Uh, the that they self-proclaimed mayor of nowhere. Uh, the middle of nowhere is in between the pork rinds and the Motrin. <laughs> nice. Yes. Okay. Uh, that's really that's funny. It's, I guess if you have three people tower. in your town, you could be like, I'm the mayor. Yeah. Well, it's him, his daughter, and his grandson. <laughs> oh, okay. So he he he. At least he as of 2000 in this wow. in this uh, interview in the Oklahoman in 2000. Yeah. How funny. Yeah. I thought. Mm. Huh. Okay. Uh, here is what you guys had huh. to say. Uh, Sharon Doty is a big fan of Prague. I love... My grandma lived in Prague. I've had yeah. family in Prague my whole life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Prague's uh, nice. Really, really good, really good uh, uh, Czech food there. Mm-hmm. Uh, William Russell mentioned Medicine Park. We had a few people Lovely who were... Lovely place. Uh, yeah. Good, uh, good answer. Absolutely. Uh, Frida Lee loves sulfur, uh, just like uh, Megan. Anna Eddings is a fan of Pawnee. Oh, Pawnee is a great town. Yeah. 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 Uh, Lou Sabliski votes for Dibble, which, uh, honestly, just even <laughs> the name alone. Yeah. Just Dibble. We like Dibble. Been to Dibble. Uh, and Marvin Hawkins voted for Wapanucka, which is one of those Wapanucka. towns I love to drive. <laughs> I need to stop in, because every time I drive past, I'm like, that's the best name. Wapanucka. Wapanucka. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. then uh, Joshua Anderson uh, uh, voted for Whit- Whittyville, uh, which is so incredibly small that it got eaten by a mountain. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, let's talk about another really great small town Very with, small. Uh, with uh, G. Patrick Riley uh, from Colony. We are really happy to welcome onto the podcast G. Patrick Riley, artist and arts advocate extraordinaire. Patrick, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you very much. Um, Patrick, for listeners uh, who haven't seen our new issue yet, Patrick is a very big part of a feature that I got to write about the town of Colony. Oklahoma, one of my very favorite places in the entire world. Um, and Patrick, you are one of the two artists in residence there in Colony, um, among many other uh, cool titles that you hold. And you mentioned to me uh, when we were talking for this story, you mentioned that you had roots that go back to that area. So can you talk a little bit about kind of your history and your connection to the town of Colony a little bit? Yeah, I will. Uh, it was a, it's a very good connection. My uh, uh, my great-grandfather actually uh, wagoned into Colony from uh, Mississippi back in about 1901, 1902. And uh, he uh, settled about five miles south of Colony in uh, close to a creek called Cobb Creek, where he uh, built a farm. He was a wheat farmer. And he started uh, harvesting wheat in the early 1900s. And he was there through uh, probably 1930, and then he sold his farm, moved into Weatherford. But in the process, he had 11 children, and they were all <laughs> raised in Colony. And my father was born there in the hospital that was there back in the 1920s, 1910s. So it made uh, it made for an interesting kind of story in our family. That's where our ancestral home is. And so when I uh, I was raised in Ada, Oklahoma, and my father didn't tell me a whole lot about it. So I started researching my family tree and uh, I found all this information. And so uh, it makes me feel really good to go to Colony where my ancestors settled and be part of the program there and, yeah. and give back for some of them what they did for me in that process. So uh, I really like it. That's one reason I built the Eagle to honor my whole family, plus all the people of Colony. It's just Pioneer Oklahoma is Pioneering Oklahoma is an interesting kind of concept. 
It is. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. I always think that uh, they went out there without water, without electricity, and settled and built mm -hmm. a farm. Yeah. So if things get tough in this country, I think people with my ancestry will get tougher. <laughs> <laughs> I think just, that's kind of the story of Americans, right? No matter how tough we Americans get, we get yeah, we get tougher. That's right. Yeah. Um, you mentioned your you mentioned Patrick's Eagle, which is a sculpture that you that is sort of a centerpiece uh, there in Colony. Uh, talk a little bit about that about that piece, and um, I love the story of how it was made. I just think it's so cool how how you how the whole town kind of came out to support that thing. So talk a little bit about Patrick's Eagle. I've been involved with the town for a long time. Mm -hmm. Probably in 1994, I got I. Yeah, that was the first you were you and you did the I should mention that too for listeners you did the first mural yeah I did the colony. first mural there yeah. with, with a group of uh, native kids who were yeah. Cheyennes and uh, uh, they uh, they made the mural and I met a lot of the people in Colony and when you start telling them about your roots there they they all understand some people have been there a long time yeah and and so uh, I got to know a few of the people and uh, back about. Oh, 12 years ago, I made a 28-foot eagle sculpture for the uh, uh, Supreme Court building in Oklahoma City when it was renovated. Mm -hmm. And uh, I made an eagle sculpture. I make eagle sculptures. I've been making them for maybe 25 years out of leather, found objects, wood, stuff like that. I seem to always focus on the eagle. And so uh, when COVID hit, uh, there was nowhere to go. It's like everybody was in their homes. Yeah. And I was here in my house thinking that I would like to be doing something. And so I thought, well, you know, I'll go out to Colony and I'll go, I'll work out there. So I went out to Colony and started working every week. I'd go out and work on some art. And I was working on the art and I built a little model of the eagle out of uh, uh, some uh, foam core board. And I put it all together and I looked at it and I said, you know, we should just build that out here. It seems like something that'd be nice to build. And uh, at the same time, I had been talking to Ron Lowry, who's one of the ranchers out there. And he, he has a big, big uh, farming program that he does and some of the other folks. And we started looking at the uh, Eagle that I'm the little model I made and uh, uh, I looked at Ron and I said, well, you know, let's just build it. It's like I come out here and there's no one here other than me and a few other people. And he said, well, you know, you can use my barn. And he has a big barn just just west of town. So I went out to his barn. Sure enough, here's his barn. He's got a big combine in there and all these uh, big uh, uh, machines that he but they're all moving around and there was a big space in there. So I said, yeah, I can build it here. And so all we need right now is we just decided to build it out of uh, black steel. So, and let it rust. And so he went out with me and we looked at a steel shop and we bought, he financed buying four big pieces of uh, four by 10 foot steel. And so when he did that, I, uh, took the small model, translated it into a big plywood model. So I made these plywood wings that were about 
about 12 feet, maybe 10 feet. And I laid them down on the steel and drew them out. And uh, we took them up to a uh, guy that had a plasma cutter in Cordell, and he cut them out for us. <laughs> when he cut them out, we brought them back to the barn and set them all up and got out the uh, uh, grinders and started finishing them out, you know, and grinding them down, getting all the, yeah. the edges clean and everything like that. And we spent a long time doing that. And uh, when I looked at it, it became obvious that neither one of us really knew how to put it all together. <laughs> so they go, we've got this eagle all cut out. Now we have to put it together so it'll stand up and it's steel. <laughs> so, so we... Uh, uh, one problem at a time. One problem at a time. And I thought it'll all work out. And I had this wonderful friend named Glenn Henry, who at the time and still is teaching sculpture at Cameron University. And uh, Glenn and I have been friends for 30 or 40 years. And so I called up Glenn and he's a welder. And so uh, he used to weld submarines on the East Coast. So I called him up and said, can you come up? help us figure out how to put this together. And so he came up and looked at it, said, yeah, we can put it together. And so we started uh, taking pieces of it down to Cameron and Cameron University was kind enough to let us use their facility. And Glenn and I started putting this whole thing together. And so uh, in the process of uh, Ron and other people coming to help, we probably had 10 or 15 people coming in to grind on the metal as we were building it. Which I should say in a town of a hundred people is not yeah. a small, like percentage wise, this is a big, a big chunk of the town helped with this. Yeah. 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 They were all behind it all yeah. the way wanting to do it. And so we all got together sort of like a, uh, uh, it was like a tribe of people that just decided to build something and unique for the town. And Which is kind of also the history of the town. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. It's that's, that's cool. It's like, it's that kind of town. And yeah. so we all argued about how we were going to sink it in the ground. And like uh, Glenn's idea was maybe make it so we could uh, take it apart. And Ron decided, hey, let's just sink it in the ground. So we took three big old steel uh, squares, big ones, and uh, welded those on each part of this sculpture, the face, the wings, and the back. And uh, we put it in the ground. It's never going to go anywhere. <laughs> it's in the ground. <laughs> it's no, it's I, it's there to stay. You can tell looking Solid at it, it's there to stay. <laughs> and the, the good thing about it is it's a good sculpture. It is a and good it's, sculpture. It's a real nice sculpture. And the way I did it is I, I made the front very much like an eagle face. Then I put the wings in the middle, sort of one, two, like this, you know. Like get my hands up. Here's the front. Here's the middle. And in the back, and in the back, I put a circle to honor Native Americans because hmm. the circle is very honoring for them. And so it's a sculpture that that I made of all people. It's like I wanted to honor all people. I wanted to honor the freedom of all people with the wings of the eagle, you know, and the, the farm people with all of their work. And then the Native Americans who had the land before other people had the land. And so the sculpture takes in that whole unity, which is what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And it was sort of like uh, 
with COVID, it was very clear that we in our country need respect and unity for each other. We need that. Yeah. It was a I need. Everybody was scared, you know. Yeah. Up there, people didn't want to get too close to you, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. It's still sort of that way. Yeah. But I wanted the sculpture to be a community event. And yeah. when we put it up, it was a community event. Everybody came out. It was. It. Yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful to have it. And uh, it's a great work for me to do, you know. We didn't, Glenn and I and the community, we didn't think about money at all. Yeah. We just raised the money when we needed it to get it all put in. And so it was all done, I guess, through the uh, concept of, of actually uh, respecting each other and yeah. honoring each other and loving yeah. each other, you know. I and love that. that's what I like about it. it. It does that. And when you see it, that's what it does. It, uh, absolutely. it creates that feeling. In yeah, you. absolutely. Um, and it's such a good partner piece. To, I describe in the story, I describe Colony as an outdoor fine art gallery. It is. Yeah. Um, and this is sort of the I almost think of it like, you know, end of the trail at the Cowboy Museum. This sort it's of that central thing that's the first yeah. thing you see when you arrive and then you go and explore. But it's sort of the, yeah. the thing the rest of it sort of orbits around, which I think is really. Yeah, and then the, the concept is not to stop but hmm. to keep it going. So we're having this Christmas show coming up. Absolutely. I'm, that's December 3rd and 4th. 4th. Listeners. And that's going to happen. And, uh, and then the other thing is I've been exploring grants to possibly get a uh, sculpture garden going in the place. So we'd add oh, more cool. sculptures to the place so that people can drive off the road and come to Colony because you Eric has made these beautiful murals. They're the, the, the Eric Tipiconic murals. Listeners yeah. haven't been. Go, they're worth beautiful. And, yeah, amazing. And and basically, I just want to keep keep adding to it and keep the energy going. So, so I love uh, that. And you know, we talked about this a lot. I feel like in the course of me working on the story, you and I have had several conversations about this. But you talk about that energy and that sense of community, and I find that. Not that every small town, I mean, not every small town has what Colony has in terms of community spirit right. and support. Um, can yeah. you talk a little bit about what you feel like makes Colony different and special among well, think, small towns? Yeah, I think that, uh, number one, uh, the community itself is uh, a lot of people have been there a lot, a long time, mm. and they're happy there. So yeah. they're happy. And so they're not uh that's a thing you know what's funny doing all these interviews you know you expect at some point for someone to kind of pull you aside and be like i mean it's not all great no one had yeah. a bad word to say about colony the whole time i yeah. was there yeah it was amazing it's a happy community yeah and, and they're very much so yeah and so uh and then secondly uh it's uh old time oklahoma like it goes back in the old time of oklahoma so when you meet people in Colony, you're meeting real Oklahomans. Absolutely. You know, real yeah. people that, that uh, really live there and talk there and walk there. Hmm. And they live in rural Oklahoma. But they also live in the Internet and in TV land. Yeah. So they're not at all backward. Because no. 
have. Yeah. No, not at all. Has going on. Yeah. So they're very fluent about what's happening in the world. And they want something unique for their town. Because they know that if they get their town unique, where people will come to visit, it will always be there. Mm, I it love will that. be an Oklahoma town of the future in rural Oklahoma, rather than a dying town. I love Colorado. that. I feel like I know I know so many small towns where people have tried to do things like this and yeah. whoever the city fathers or whoever the leaders just said, oh, we don't want that here. Yeah. And they kind of just anything new, they immediately yeah. sort of dismiss. Yeah. And it's it's something so new and contemporary. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not open to it. Yeah. And if you I go feel like Colony has just really embraced. I mean, yeah. for decades has really embraced this part of its identity. I think it's really cool. Yeah. And it's been that way for a long time. And, and the other aspect is, it's not only the uh, American pioneer culture there, but it's also the Cheyenne Arapaho culture there. Very important. So Very it's important. almost a meeting of two cultures. Arapahoes, Arapahoes were the first citizens of Colony. Yeah. Uh, them and John Horsey yeah. the town to be alive. Yeah. And so, uh, and, and what, uh, what we did with the sculpture is just added to the living of that town hmm. that's and, and that's what the gallery does. It gives a living to the town. And like uh, yeah. that it makes me feel really good to see that happen. And, and so uh, we just keep it going that way. I love it. And gradually, I can see a big billboard out on I-40 saying, go to Colony to see the murals and the sculpture. And uh, I think that'd be so cool. That would be so cool. If anybody's that. got some extra billboard money laying around and wants to do that for yeah, the town of Colony, get in touch with me and I'll tell you to talk Colony to a place. <laughs> so I was up there working on some art because I go up there to work. And because uh, I have a studio, I have a working studio. And uh, I was out front sitting, uh, just taking a breath of air. And uh, some people drove by in a big Lincoln or something like that. And they, uh, uh, stopped and looked, rolled down the window and said, are you an artist? And I said, well, yeah, I, I work here. I have a studio here. We can't believe that. We're from New York City. Huh. And they got, they got <laughs> out and came in and looked the art over, you know, and couldn't believe what they were seeing and then left, you know. But that's what is that what's amazing to me, too, is that gallery has some high, like, like the names you see in that gallery are oh, yeah. names that – any museum in the world, in the Would world, like to see those excited to have. Terry yeah. Zinn, you've got Terry Zinn, you've got so many yeah, amazing that's names. That's beautiful, yeah. In that gallery, I mean, people who are, whose work is in the yeah. Smithsonian. So, yeah. gradually I see that that'll become more and more for Colony. As, yeah. As it gets... Uh, I could definitely see that being where it's all headed, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. That's really important. Very cool. And, you know, um, in 20, you got in about... Three years, a little over three years, is going to be the 100th anniversary of Route 66, which Colony is not very far off of. It's true. That's not very far away. I hadn't yeah. thought Yeah. 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 So I that, that could be really fun up there. I could definitely see there being a Route 66 connection there that, that could draw a lot of people. I could see that. Yeah. Six. Yeah. I think that'd be cool. Yeah. Well, um, hey, uh, Patrick, tell us a little bit about this show coming in December. I, I want to make sure that people are able to go if they want to go. Um, folks, listeners, uh, this is yeah. this is a great chance to go see all the cool stuff that's going on in Colony and meet some of these artists face to face. Yeah. On this show, we decided we wanted to have a show honoring people with Western Oklahoma heritage, 
this year for the Christmas show. So we got on. I got on the phone with uh, my friend Jim Van Diemen. He and I are working on this together. Colony's other artists in residence. Yeah, and yep. we're working on this. And so we've invited, uh, and I'll just give you their names. Uh, Glenda Ross is a very famous artist, and she's the professor of art education at Southwestern Oklahoma State University. Hey, so in my hometown of Weatherford. She's going to show at this exhibit. And she makes uh, mixed media sculpture wall pieces that are just wonderful. And with her, then, we've got Glenn Henry, who is a sculpture professor at Cameron University, Western Oklahoma. Yep. He's going to show his sculpture there. And so that'll be really exciting. Yeah. And to top that off, I've got uh, myself coming in with some drawings and some masks. And then I've got uh, Patty Wack, who was the... Uh, teacher at Mountain View, Oklahoma, the art teacher for several years, and she finally retired. And then last year, the year before, she took a job at, uh, oh, let's see, the town next to Colony. Up the road is the capital of uh, the county. I've got to think of it for a minute. But Cordell? Cordell. Yeah, she taught at Cordell High School. And so she's going to show some of her paintings. And that's going to be really fun because she makes beautiful paintings. And, uh, then I have a potter who's a wonderful, wonderful potter. And he makes functional pots like cups, saucers, oh, bowls. And he's coming in. His name's James Jennings. And he lives down in Mountain View also. So it's going to be fun to have him coming in. And then I have uh, uh, Karen Stafford. And Karen is related to Western Oklahoma. She's... She uh, took my classes when I taught at Southwestern State University. Ah. And uh, she's making small functional pots also. So there'll be a couple potters there to really make that work. And uh, her mother lived in Weatherford. Hmm. And uh, she attended some at Southwestern State. And uh, her father is the man who donates all of the uh, aircraft and suits at the uh, Stafford Air and Space Museum. Wow. So. Wait, so is, is she Tom Stafford's daughter? She is. That's How amazing. cool. Yeah, Famed that's cool. astronaut Tom Stafford. That's cool. That's wow. cool as ever. And then uh, Jim Van Diemen will be there with, he's going, he's got a group of people that he works with who make bows and arrows. And if you want to get a handmade bow, and a handmade arrow, you can buy them at this Christmas show. Oh, that's with cool. With people that make bows and arrows. And Jim is a Delaware native person. Yep. And so he'll and be he lives, there. He lives there just out east of town and, and also has a very cool collection of flutes as oh, well. Oh, yeah, he likes flutes. Museum. I don't know whether he'll have any flutes there or not. We'll find out. But he'll also have his paintings there. Oh, wow. And then I have uh, D.G. Smalling, who does oh, really uh, great mixed media artwork. Yeah, I have his work there. Big fan of his. Yeah, and I have one piece that Eric left that I'll have there. I think oh, cool. we saw the Eric Kipikonik. Yeah, I'll show it, and I'll probably have a couple more artists come in, but I haven't got them selected yet. But I've got a couple more I'm playing with to, to come. That's exciting. So That's going to be a fun show with about ten or twelve Western Oklahoma artists from that live in Western, not live there, but are related to Western Oklahoma. Have a connection out there. That's so cool. Patrick, I'm yeah. so excited. I'm so excited that y'all are doing this. I'm so, I, listeners, yeah. 
if you've ever, if you read that story or if you've ever heard about Colony and, or if this is the first time you're hearing about it in our intrigue, you got to go. And this, this show in in the first weekend of December is definitely the time to go. So uh, you can visit colonyok.com for more info. Um, And uh, we, I know that I'll be there. Um, yeah. I'm excited to see it, and I'll be there. Um, and so I look forward to seeing all the. I'll give you the times. Yes, we're going to be open from uh, ten to five on Saturday. Okay, that's and, Saturday, December fourth. Yeah, at eleven to five on Sunday. Okay, and eleven to five on Sunday, December fifth. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm going to get one of those bow and arrows. Yeah, those bow and arrows will be fun to look at. I've yeah. seen them, and oh, they're fun. I've been wanting to buy one myself. That's cool. I'm going to figure out who I can give that as a as a Christmas present to without getting yeah, the pots will be really good. And then the paintings will be fun to have. So Very cool. Very cool. It'll be a fun show. G. Patrick Riley, thank you so much for joining us on thank the Oklahoma Today podcast. We appreciate you so much. And we can't wait to see you December 4th and 5th. You just call if you need any more information. Thank Absolutely. you so much. I had so much fun writing that story. Um, it was hard. It was, it was a great a story, though. It was like I could have written like five times what I wrote. Just I based on the history did. alone, I did actually. My first draft was huge, um, and it was all history. Yeah, like the history of that play. Like I had to gloss over so much of it. Um, there are two murders. Like honestly, if you're listening to this and you haven't read that story yet, read up on the two murders that happened in 1960 in Colony because they're fascinating. Yes, the, 1960 um, was a crazy year. It was an absolute crazy year. The high school basketball coach murdered his wife, who was 21 years old, and then. And and then, okay, this is the part I didn't get in. So he kills his wife, right? Which, men. Uh, but uh, he kills his wife. He's the high school basketball coach. And there's a game that night. And he, like, goes up to two of his players, teenage girls. And is like, I haven't heard from my wife. I'm really worried about her. Can you guys go check on her? He sent two of his players to go find his wife's dead body. Like... That is messed up. Well, like, I'm, that's a bad situation <laughs> all like, around. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, it started messed up and yeah. just kept getting worse. The one I love, though, is the barber. Yeah. The barber's giving a five-year-old a haircut. Some guy is drunk and pulls up on the sidewalk, and the barber goes up. It's like, you can't park on the sidewalk. And the guy's like, I can, can't, I can't, can't I? Pulls out a gun. And so the barber goes back in, very calmly by all accounts, goes back in, grabs his own gun, and just shoots the guy dead right there, drops the gun, and just goes back and finishes that kid's haircut well you like, don't want to leave someone with half a haircut i mean i, I appreciate yeah i appreciate the don't traumatize a kid <laughs> anyway colony's a cool place i'll definitely be at that art show uh so come see us it's gonna be really fun yeah yeah all right it is now time for us to once again plumb the depths of travelok.com's calendars for our weekly pod vents and first up this week is ben Honey, I'm Homa. We Okies sure do love our local honey. (laughs) But how many of us actually know how it's made? I mean, we all know the bees make it, but how do they do it, you know? Most people know there are worker bees, but, like, where's their factory? Where do they get their materials? Do they have a trade union? The answer to all these questions will be provided at this Saturday's Minko Honey Festival. And it turns out the answer... To all the above is an emphatic no. As it turns out, the Ross Honey Plant, the state's largest honey processing facility, is in fact staffed by human beings. (laughs) Human beings who work hard to separate the sweet golden sap from the bee's wax comb. You'll get to see for yourself uh, on one of the free public tours of the Ross Plant as part of the festival activities. 
After the tour, it's time to be merry and bright because Santa Claus has booked an appearance in downtown Minko from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. But in case that's not not enough star power for you, local television personality, banjo extraordinaire, and Minko native, and I assume heir to the Ross Honey Empire, (laughs) Lucas Ross, will be holding court at the Minko High School Arts and Crafts Show. A grand Chamber of Commerce breakfast kicks off at... Uh, festivities and attractions like carriage rides, a kitty tractor pool, and free samples of Brahms milk and cheese at City Hall will keep the party going until sunset. So gather your hive and plan a trip for Minko for the free to attend Honey Festival. Call 405 352 0518 for more information. Sounds fun. <laughs> I um I saw a YouTube video this weekend that bee that bumblebees play. Yeah. Like. Oh yeah, I saw that. Wasn't that cool? Uh-huh. Yeah. Bumblebees play. That's all I got. No, it's like honey festival. Frolic, yeah. like they play yeah, solitaire. Yeah. <laughs> they play yeah. Just look at it, like if you get on YouTube, bumblebees play. Hmm. They were like cool rolling video. around on little little, little balls. balls. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, they like set up a little room, so they had like this thing, this path that they would go through, and it was like they would start here, and there was a room in the middle, and then like a passageway, and at the end of the passageway was some sugar, and there were all these little colorful balls in the room, and every single bumblebee like just stopped and rolled the balls around for no reason whatsoever. So they play. That's. It was so. It's cute. one more reason to go to the honey festival. Yeah. Wow, they're cute. I do not care for their waspy cousins. Well, <laughs> no one does. Everyone's got a black sheep in their family, Megan. Nate, <laughs> uh, what's your event this week? Uh, oh well, uh, so. If you do join us for the art show in Colony this weekend and you feel like you just can't quite get enough native art, may I direct your your attention to this next event, which comes to us courtesy of our friend Kristen Gentry over at the First Americans Museum here in OKC. Y'all will remember Kristen as the assistant manager of the museum store there and one of our November-December 2021 cover models, and we had the Choctaw Ladies of FAM on our cover. Well, Kristen wanted us to let y'all listeners know that FAM's annual Winter Holiday Art Market is happening December 3rd and 4th from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. This event is free and open to the public and will feature more than 50 indigenous artists along with art demonstrations, musical performances, musical performances, excuse me, children's book readings and more. Some of the artists whose work will be on display include some of the biggest names in native art right now including Benjamin Harjo Jr., Marwin Begay, who's one of my favorites, Tracy Rabbit, and Kendra Swafford. This featured art the featured artist this year is Natalie Standing Cloud, who is a citizen of the Cherokee Nation and who viewers may recognize as a receptionist from re- in Reservation Dogs. But what you may not know is that she's also known for her gorgeous tattoo work and her two-dimensional graphic works. So with all that going on, how could you not want to go to FAM this December 3rd and 4th? Oh, oh, and if you're a FAM member, you get access to a special members-only shopping event on December 2nd. So maybe go ahead and get that membership going now. For more information, call 405-594-2100 or visit famok.org. That sounds like a lot of fun. Probably I think a good it will place be. to pick up some gifts. Oh my gosh, like some very unique, one-of-a-kind gifts. Yeah, like, for your very very unique, one-of-a-kind family. I'm a huge fan of Marwin Begay. I almost bought a painting of his and didn't, and I've regretted it every day since, and it was like a decade ago, and I still think about it a lot. So It's weird. Cool. I, I also think about art that I didn't buy years later, and I'm just like, you idiot. I know. You should have mortgaged away your future for this. I mean, it, it's an investment. Well, I mean, just... I don't think mine would have been worth anything, but I just uh, I still think about it okay. every. It was a triptych of like a gunfight. It was mm. so cool, mm. uh, like a pop art. Gun I fight. love triptychs. Yeah, uh, Megan, what's your event? 
Well, the Triptych Festival. <laughs> no, but it does feature Lucas Ross. Oh. He's just making appearances everywhere, isn't he? Call us, Lucas. Uh, so, what do bandos and candy canes have in common? Not much. You, <laughs> you can hold them. You can try sticking banjos in your mouth, but it's probably not a good idea. But the Banjo Museum is housed in a former candy factory in Oklahoma City's Bricktown, so every year they honor their heritage with a candy cane Christmas. Yes, there will be candy canes available for snacking, along with other things for snacking, on December 4th. And if your soul cries out for the sweet twang of banjo, you've come to the right place, because there will be plenty of strumming. Uh, and visitors will get their photos taken with Santa if they want. They don't have to. Admission is $8 for adults, but you adults can get in for free if you bring a new unwrapped toy for the St. Andrew's Christmas dinner, which provides meals and toys to 7,000 people each year. Uh, kids under 15 are free. For more information, visit AmericanBanjoMuseum.com. I just have to add, you know, that you don't have to get your picture taken I love Santa the idea of a mandatory Santa. Like, <laughs> It, well, when I was little, taken. when I was little, it was mandatory, and I was terrified. Like I was like, I do not want to go sit on a strange old man's lap and tell him what I want for Christmas. Like it. Well, yes, that's what that's what I was told, but it made me very uncomfortable. And he always brought. Not quite the right presence. <laughs> um, this is not related to anything except the idea of being afraid of Santa, but like my favorite pop culture Santa is absolutely Christmas Story Santa. Ho, ho, ho. Oh. That's who I'm picturing in that story you just told is like that terrifying. Oh, no, Christmas see, story I, Santa. I relate. Like, that was. <laughs> I did not like Santa. Did Santa kick I, you in the face like he did Ralphie? No, oh, okay. he was he was always very nice, but okay. I was afraid of Santa. He yeah. never brought her. Those red elves were the best too. Hurry up and get going. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Carly, what's your event this week? If you've been listening to our podcasts all year, you've probably noticed we spend a good deal of time opining for fall and its cooler days. Mm. Well, now that it's finally our favorite time of year, it's time to whine about the cold and long for warmer air and lively <laughs> colors of spring. If your grass is always greener on the other side of the calendar, check out the Bloom exhibit up December 2nd through 24th at the Tulsa Artist Coalition Gallery. You can bathe in the glow of Alyssa Field's lovely floral oil paintings through Christmas Eve, but on December 2nd, there's an opening reception where guests can meet the artist and ask questions about her work. There will also be performances by the Tulsa Opera's Philstrup residents inspired by Field's work. Admission is free, but visit tacgallery.org for more information. I feel a little called out. <laughs> Complaining about the weather oh, is no. part of our heritage as Oklahomans. Yeah, that's it what you do. It is part of our sacred duty. It's our, I know. It's how we get it to change. <laughs> if we stopped complaining about it, it might just be like, oh, I guess they're happy with this. Let's just I, keep it. I guess it'll just be summer forever. <laughs> oh, man. That, mm. Please no. No, that makes me sad. I don't know how people survived before. I did catch myself this weekend being like, this cold. I was letting my dog out and it was freezing and I had, didn't have shoes on. And she was just taking her time because she has a coat. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, this cold, this awful. 
awful cold. When will it be over? And then I was like, oh, right, it was two weeks ago. I was complaining <laughs> yeah. about the heat. Yep. So, okay. All right. Mm. Fine. Greg, what do you have for us today? Well, according to legal counsel, I need to be very careful during this podment. <clears throat> it is illegal to go looking through other people's homes without permission, and you should not do it. But for a completely legal version of something that I definitely have not done in the homes of the cast of News Radio, you should head to Oklahoma's original state capital of Guthrie for Victorian home tours. <laughs> On December 3rd, ticket holders can take a look inside some of Guthrie's most distinctive homes and historic buildings, mm-hmm. which will be done up all pretty like for the holidays without being arrested for once. Tickets are $15 and can be purchased up to the day of the tour. Visit Guthrie's Territorial slash historic dash homes dash tour. You know what? You can just go to Guthrie's Territorial and probably find your way there. Uh, but this will help indemnify you from prosecution uh, and also help raise money for Guthrie. I'm going to say Guthrie is one of the coolest places to be in Oklahoma on the holidays. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That, the yeah. whole Victorian thing is very, very cool. And just that, you know, uh, yeah, downtown during the Victorian Christmas stuff is super cool. Bunch of people in costumes and caroling and mm-hmm. candy and mm. whatnots. Well, the candy. <laughs> the sound of the Oklahoma uh, Today staff getting really sick of turkey leftovers means that this <laughs> episode of the Oklahoma Today podcast is coming to a close. So join us again next week, or if you just can't get enough, head to OklahomaToday.com and pick up our latest issue on newsstands right now. Send your feedback to OKTPod at TravelOK.com. Uh, seriously, we we would love. We would really love it. Some feedback, even if it's bad. Yeah, I mean, just tell us how We're annoying not we are. Perfect up here. <laughs> uh, we'll talk to you guys again next week. The Oklahoma Today podcast is a production of Oklahoma Today Magazine and the Oklahoma Tourism and Recreation Department. Your hosts are Oklahoma Today editors Nathan Gunner, Greg Elwell, Carly Ibarra, Megan Rossman, Ben Lucian. Theme song editing and production held by Oklahoma Today's production manager Bridges Sloan. For more information, visit OklahomaToday.com. Goodbye. Ho ho ho! I like turkey.